Our New Testament lesson this morning will come from the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. You can read along in your own personal Bible or in your pew Bible in front of you or on the back of the order of worship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were, were together and all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute them to the people as all had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home, ate food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to the number of those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Growing up, um, where I grew up, like probably, well, I guess the backstory of my opening illustrations, I read an interesting article the other day that talked about how we're going to see in the next 20 years the importance of boredom to the human mind. Because think about many of us growing up. Boredom was kind of your best friend. Like, because if you were like me and Bogachita, you had nothing to do. The highlight of your day was calling K106 and requesting your favorite song and sitting there with your cassette recorder to hit record to save your favorite song so that you could listen to it anytime you wanted to. Or maybe going outside or reading Wikipedia in book form, the actual encyclopedias. That's what I did. You know, but growing up, boredom was just life. And so we live in an age of both for young persons and for, let's not just talk about the children and the teenagers, adults. We're just as bad, aren't we? How many of us are watching TV with our phones on Facebook at the same time? You know, we all are like that nowadays. And so it, this, this story, uh, this article was kind of theorizing that so much of human creativity comes from being bored. That's when you use your imagination. That's when you dream dreams. That's when you kind of think about things is when you're kind of bored. And so growing up, for me, boredom was just kind of what I had. I, I would go over to see my granny or I would... I would uh, get on my fuller and ride around the pasture. I'd do whatever, but there were not a lot of things to do growing up where I grew up. But there was, for my family and for our life, a sun that our lives orbited. Something that our life completely revolved around, and that was church. For me growing up, church really was the sun at the center of our solar system. It was the thing that was the defining characteristic of our family's life. Like I remember looking back, there were only two Sundays a year that the Stoddards purposely were not in church. One was during the summer when we went down to New Orleans to see my Aunt Margaret and go school clo- and shop for school clothes in New Orleans. Because for some reason, my mama felt the only place to shop for school clothes was in New Orleans or Hammond. I don't know what her Louisiana thing was, but that's the way my mama was wired. So we'd go do that. And then once a year, we'd go to Aberdeen for my daddy's family reunion on Labor Day weekend. And those were the only two Sundays a year that we knew we weren't going to be in church. That was just the way we, our life was, I mean, 
I'm not saying we were perfect people. I'm just saying there was nothing doing Boca Chitta but go to church. It was that cornerstone of our life, Sundays, Wednesdays, all around. And it wasn't just that Sunday morning was important for us, but it was the life of the church. Church was where I would meet my friends. We would all meet up at the church, and we would go play basketball, or we would all meet up at the church, or we would go play computer games. We would all meet at the church, and we would go eat. You know, we would—church was that fab, the, the knitting of the fabric of our life for me as a child. As I grew, it continued. Growing up, we played—we didn't have a church softball team, you know, and so we—so I started going to Montgomery Baptist Church. My mama grew up on— they had a rule if you were going to play on the softball team, you had to go to church there twice a month. So I would go to Montgomery during the summer twice a month to play church league softball. First time I ever encountered, we you know we're taking communion today. First time I ever encountered how communion was done differently in different churches. So we went to my, my, my cousin's church, Montgomery Baptist, and I was used to communion being served here, you know, coming to the altar. Well, in that tradition, the plates were passed around. You know, the communion elements were passed around. I didn't know that. I'm sitting in the pew. And I see in front of me on the pew this, these little holes. So I do what any boy would do. I start fooling with it. So I'm sitting there, and I stick my finger in it, and I get stuck. So I'm sitting there the entire service trying to yank my finger out of the hole that I got it stuck in. And finally, when my finger popped out, I was so excited I almost got saved. I mean, it was just a momentous occasion in my life. So, see, church factors into so many stories like that in my life. I went to college, you know, and visited all types of different churches. I went to Galloway some. I went to St. Andrews, First Perez. I wanted to get a different experience in church from just what I grew up in. I knew that church was important to me. I knew that church was formative, not just to my faith, but to my very life, to my very relationships. So I wanted to get different experiences. After college, well, then college, I worked at Twin Lakes as a camp counselor. Then I, then I worked at Lifeway as a, in the bookstore. And then I started working in church itself. So as you can see, church has been, in many ways, the spine of my life. For many of you, that's the same. Every key moment in your life, every moment that kind of defines you, church may have been there for you. Weddings, baptisms, conversions, funerals. All these moments in your life may have been defined by church for you. Or perhaps church may not have been a pleasant experience for you. Perhaps there were moments in your life where church has caused you harm. Perhaps there are moments in your life where church, just being in the sanctuary, brings pain. One of my very best friends, his father was a preacher and um, preached, his whole, preached for the latter part of his life. And, uh, and uh, when, he, when his father died, his mother had to, had to change churches because she said, Andy, I couldn't bear to go into the sanctuary and not see him behind the pulpit. It was too painful. She didn't quit church. She didn't quit going to church, but she had to change churches because the sight of that pulpit empty without her husband was just too much for her to bear. 
Some of you may have had that experience in church. Perhaps you have been wounded by church because we've all been there, hadn't we? There's no hurt like church hurt. Maybe you have been wounded by someone in the church. Maybe the church itself has caused you pain. Maybe St. Matthew's has caused you pain in some way. And if that is the case, then I am truly sorry. I am truly sorry if our church has ever intentionally or unintentionally caused any hurt to you or to your family. I, I truly am. And I hope that we can be a place where healing occurs, not where hurt occurs. See, that's the thing about church, though. The church is beautifully imperfect because it's made up of beautifully imperfect people. It's the people that make it beautiful. It's the people that bring joy to your life. It's the people that smile and greet you. It's the people that are the very representative of God that bring hope into your life in these moments. But it's also the people that may give you a cold stare or offer a hard word or hurt you in some way. Because as those made in the image of God and those that are the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, we as well are beautifully imperfect. And so our church, St. Matthew's, every church out there is a beautifully imperfect body. I think we see a picture today in the scriptures of what church can be, though. I can see a picture. It, this, is, this is after Pentecost. What we just read today is after Pentecost. And we see in this, we see that God had begun to move in the life of the church. And we see individuals being saved. Scripture says that daily their numbers are being filled. We see that people are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But notice what it says the church is doing. It says the church is taking care of each other. They, they take care of the needs within the body. They take care of each other. But they also take care of the world. For many wonders are being performed. And individuals are seeing the glory of God because of the faithfulness of the church. So we see the church taking care of the members of the body. But we also see the church providing care for the world. Maybe taking care or providing care are not the best words to use when describing what the church is doing. The church loves each other, the members within the church. Tertullian was one of the early church fathers. He once wrote, Oh, those Christians, oh, how they love one another. The church loves each other, and the church loves the world, loves those outside the walls. So we love each other and those outside. Now, notice it doesn't say we always get along with each other. Notice it doesn't say we always agree with each other. Notice it doesn't even say we always like each other. says they took care of each other. It says they loved each other. And said they took that, that love, that care to the world. 
because the world is in desperate need of that love. So as a church, we're called to love each other. I've often said there needs to be some place in your life that doesn't kick you in the throat. And that needs to be church. There needs to be some place in your life where you can come in as you are, imperfect, and not be judged because of who you are or what you do or what you have or what you don't have. But you come in and you are loved because you were made in the image of God and Christ Jesus died to save you. You have worth greater than your job, than your status, than your position, than any of these things. Your worth comes from the very God who made you. You are precious in his sight. We sing it as children. Jesus loved little children. All the children of the world. Well, he doesn't stop loving you when you get old. He loves you just the same. He loves you. Which means we need to love each other. Because if God is my father and God is your father, well, that makes us family. And we got to love each other, family. We got to take care of each other, family. Now, if any of you got a family, you know sometimes you would like to pray for your family really hard by placing your hands upon their necks, just praying for them really hard. We've all got family like that, don't we? Don't name them out loud. Keep it to yourself. Don't name them out loud. If you're sitting by them, don't look at them, okay? But we love family, don't we? We, love, we should love each other. See, but here's the thing about, about church. To truly, to truly experience that love of church, you've got to dig in. You've got to find your place in the life of that church. I know the more, why do I have such fond memories of Johnson Chapel growing up? Part of it was because we were always there. Part of it calls kin to half the church. You know, out in the country, you're kin to half your church. But part of it was because my family was such a part of that church that when my mama fell, we didn't have to call anybody. Folks just showed up. Part of how I knew that when, as a good Southerner, when someone dies, we know the Southern clarion call of grief as a casserole. We knew that we were supposed to take a casserole to somebody for something. Because you can't cry in the South without a casserole at your right hand. It takes finding your place in life of the church. And so what I would encourage you is if you're looking for a place to truly be loved and accepted in our church, find that place of service. Whether it be the choir, whether it be one of our mission areas, whether it be one of our evangelism teams, one of our outreach teams, whether it be just starting off by finding a small group, a Sunday school class. If you're, if you're needing a Sunday school class to be a part of, I can't tell you more strongly, friends. If you truly want to experience the love of a church, you've got to find that next level of support in a small group or a Sunday school class. And if you haven't found that, I would love to talk to you. Brian would love to talk to you. Any of us on staff would love to find talk to you about where you can find that love right there. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we all need somebody to love us. And that's what the church needs to be about is loving each other.
in a world that's cold and hard, we need somebody to walk along beside us and love us. So the church is called to take care of each other. But it's also called to take care of the world. See, that's the tension there. Just like the church is beautifully imperfect because we're made of beautifully imperfect people, the church kind of gets cross-eyed a little bit because we've got one eye looking to each other to love each other. We've got another eye looking to the world to love the world because the world needs Jesus. The world needs to know the power of conversion that comes through Jesus Christ. And the only way the world will know that power of conversion, the only way the world will know that power of love is through us. I want to share with you a quote that is attributed to St. Teresa of Avila. Where this is the quote attributed to her. Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion upon this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, yours yours are his body. Christ has no body now on the earth but yours. We are the body of Christ And if Christ is going to physically impact the world, he's going to use his church. He's going to use you and me. You know what this gives us? Loving each other and loving the world. It gives us something we'll never find in our jobs on our possessions, on our hobbies, even in our families. It gives us purpose. It gives us a reason. Yes, the church is beautifully imperfect. And I truly hope the church has not caused you pain. And if the church has ever caused you pain, I, I am, I am truly, I am truly sorry. <laughs> I truly am. And I pray that our church is a place of healing for you. Let's love each other. But let's not stop our love there. Let's love the world. Because the world needs Jesus. I pray today that you know just how loved you are. You are precious in his sight, just as you ever have been. And I pray that we love his world with the love that he has, because I believe with all that I am that Jesus Christ can still change lives, that Jesus Christ can still change families, that Jesus Christ can still change the world. And I believe that he wants to change your life today. And I believe that he wants to use our church to change his world. Through his grace, may we be the church. And through his grace, may great things happen in our midst. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. May we, O God, love you as you have loved us. We thank you so very much. We ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen. We invite you now to turn with us to page 12.
in your hymnal for our service of Holy Communion. You may have noticed one of the first things it says the church did as they gathered was they broke bread. And so we as Christians have broke bread together for thousands of years in this great act of worship. So I invite you now to join with me on page 12 in your hymnal for our service of Holy Communion. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey and set before us the way of life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of the suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Once we were no people, but now we are your people. Declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, when the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night when he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take eat. This is my body which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of bread. In the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us gathered here on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. 
by your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one a ministry to all the world till Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours now, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. This table this morning does not belong to St. Matthew's or the United Methodist Church or any religious group, but this table is Christ's table. We practice open communion here, and so all are welcome. No matter what you believe or don't believe, you are welcome to receive communion here in this place at this time. We're gonna, we will take by intention, you, we invite you to come and kneel at the altar. We'll also start with our balcony first and allow our balconies to come receive first, then we'll invite the rest of you down uh, for, for traffic flow, if you will. Our station here in the center will be a gluten-free option for those that would like a gluten-free option. Uh, after the, the meal is set, pre- prepared, you are welcome to come. At this point, we're gonna invite those forward who will be assisting with communion.